and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Um, this is our last episode of our interview series, and um, it's really fun because this is airing on Valentine's Day, which it's our 41st episode, and it's my 41st birthday, oh and today God. is my interview day. So I don't know, she didn't tell any of us any of this before it started, but she wanted to surprise us too. So I thought it was really interesting that our 41st uh, episode landed on my 41st birthday. I feel like we need to sing her happy birthday. Let's do it. Ha- One, right two, now. three. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Lovely voices. Happy birthday, dear Stacy. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, since I am the one being interviewed today, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to my lovely co-host. Um, Annie can't be with us today, but Lauren and Alicia are here. So we decided that we're not going to take it easy on you. All the other interviews have been really sweet and amazing, and this one will be too. But we're going to try to have some fun. I think we should just play Truth or Dare the entire time. That's a horrible (laughs) (laughs) Deepest, darkest secret. Go. I'm just kidding. Um, Refer back to episode. (laughs) (laughs) When Laura tells her darkest evil, when Stacey tells her evil backgrounds. (laughs) Episode five, six, seven. There you go. So where are you originally from? I am from the Oklahoma City area. Um, I was born there, grew up there. Um, I moved to Stillwater for college. And then um, I was up there for quite a while because I switched majors. And then um, I taught there for a while. And I got my master's there. And my husband and I moved to Guthrie. Um, so still in the Oklahoma City area. So we're, now we're between Oklahoma City and Stillwater, and yeah. So she's the only one of us that's like been born around here and basically stayed in the same locale mm-hmm. your whole life. Okay. Um, I did live in Costa Rica for three months for my student teaching semester, but and I also taught as a summer camp in Massachusetts for six summers for th- for about two and a half three months stints. So, I mean, I've lived, like, for little short spouts other places, but I mm-hmm. this is where I, my stomping grounds are. Stacy is one of the most diverse people I think I have ever met in my life. She has held so many different positions professionally and has done so many different things. Please tell us. What all you have been since graduating college as an adult and what kind of jobs you've held and what year? Okay. Um, well, since college, I've basically just been a teacher, I, um, which is still you know amazing. But um, I taught for nine years in public ed and then for three and a half years at a private school. 
And um, I currently homeschool, but even within our homeschooling situation, I um, teach second grade at a blended school. So we go once a week to a school for classes. My children go and then I teach second grade there. And we're also in a co-op that's a half day and I teach fourth and fifth graders at the co-op. So since college, my profession has pretty much been teaching. Um, And that's been um, um, music, um, humanities, Latin, first grade, and second and fourth and fifth grades have been my my main Mm -hmm. subject areas. Before then, um, like during college, so my first, before graduating from high school, I just worked for my dad. My dad is a contractor, so I helped with demolition and painting and things like that for houses and businesses. And um, I had like my own little lawn mowing business for a while, and then I helped my older brother with his before I had my own. And then um, my first real job was at Villa Teresa um, mm. in Oklahoma City. Um, they are no longer mm. there, which is sad, but I helped with their summer program. And um, I was one of the, like, it wasn't a camp, but it wasn't necessarily summer school either, but I was kind of like, you know, I was kind of like a counselor for the mm-hmm. summer program, I guess. Sort of like a VBS, like an extended VBS? Yeah, it, well, it was kind of, it was kind of like daycare, but not quite daycare. I, it was, I don't know. Like, okay. you know, we were just kind of there school? to supervise. Yeah. I, my, most of the kids I worked with were in preschool and kindergarten, mm-hmm. so they played with my hair a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah. Um... And then I went off to college, and my work study was for the uh, theater department at my college. And um, during my six and a half years working for the theater department, I started off as a carpenter and ended up being a charge artist, which is the head painter. Mm. And my um, last and favorite job was the properties mistress. So all of the little things that are on the sets, I either designed, borrowed, bought, mm. Um, I was also the purchaser for the department, so they needed me to go to the lumber store to the or whatever to get supplies. I had a university credit card to go purchase things for the department also. So that's a pretty in, that's a pretty in, intense, important role. Like I mean, you were sort of in charge of. Well, I wasn't in charge, but I did have like of everything visual, the mm-hmm. set, yeah, and, and the costuming, I assume, and then props. Um. I didn't do a lot of costuming, but I did, uh, I was, you know, still had to work with them. And I did design a couple of sets, too, in the Black Box Theater um, while I was there. Um, the department was very much like family to me because uh, I, I went there as a work study. And I started my college career um, as a zoology major with a music minor. And then I learned I was going to have to take statistics as a zoology major. And I was like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. So I switched to being a music major by my second semester. And I went to a performing arts high school. So I was already a music major there and as a vocal major. And um, so it wasn't that big of a transition, if that makes any sense. Like, I was like, oh, okay, well, I've done this. And I was in music education for several years. Um, But my work study was with the... The department. Well, there was one year that I wasn't awarded work study, and because of my devotion and the the love of the people in the department, um, the department, uh, the faculty decided to give me a scholarship mm-hmm. that year oh, yeah. to help me with school. So that was really quite a blessing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like a little family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, must, I mean, well, you were essential to them at that <laughs> yeah. point. They were not going to be ready to lose yeah. you. <laughs> so. and, well, and actually, yeah. my uh, children's godmother and the oh, godfather, I met, they were theater so majors, and I met them during that time. And so, yeah, so there was... they. That department had a big impact on my life. Yeah. yeah. I can tell when you talk about it. So I, I was glad that you, I was, when I originally asked that question, I was hoping you would talk about theater mm-hmm. and music. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that was during college. I just had my placement wrong. Mm-hmm. But that, you seemed, that seemed to be something that just really defined part of mm-hmm. your early adulthood and still is. And it was, it's fun to hear you talk about it. Well, so I switched majors um, for a couple, there was a couple of different reasons. Uh, again, um, so, you know, I was zoology for a semester and then music for three, four years and um, three and a half years. And I switched to elementary education. So I was about to graduate. I only had like another year left or half a year left of music, but I decided to switch. And um, only 23 of my 118 hours transferred. And so um, I was in college a little bit longer. Oh, wow. And uh, as an elementary ed major. And so during that time, too, I also, probably my second year in college, I started going up to Massachusetts and working at a sleepaway camp there. The kids, at the time, they have options now to stay the whole summer or half the summer. But when I started there, the kids came at the end of June and were there till mid-August. Wow. The whole, like, so they were there the whole summer. And um, I was a stagecraft and oh, band director at yay. camp. So band director. <laughs> so, fun. so I taught stagecraft and um, which was building sets and doing the props and things like that. So this is what I mean when I say you're diverse. Like you're over yeah. here like teaching Latin, and then you're over here like using a saw and a sander. And it's like <laughs> very much a Renaissance woman. And she, I love that you approach your whole life that way too. You dabble in all these different like, areas, and you're very interested in so many things. Yeah. Well, and um, you brought up language. And um, when my after my birth of my first son, I got certified as a sign language instructor because we were doing sign language. At, so I've taught sign language also. I forgot to kind of mention that when you were asking about. But it's still teaching situation and um, taught Zumba for a while and um, as a heat instructor for a little while. So fitness. So does, do you feel like like call, like teaching is kind of a calling for you then? Um, it was, it's what I wanted. So when I was a child, I either wanted to be a veterinarian or teacher, mm-hmm. so, um, and I tried to do the veterinary route by doing zoology, and I was like, mm. well, because I hadn't had a rough time with math um, in high school, and um, so it kind of scared me, And but later on, which is kind of beautiful, that later, because I switched to elementary education, I met an amazing professor, a mathematics professor, and who just sparked that joy of math back in me, which makes a lot of sense because if you really look at music and you look at math, okay. they are the same language, mm-hmm. really. And so, and I can get into a whole thing about that, which I won't during the podcast. But <laughs> yeah, so you're going to create your own podcast where you can just talk about <laughs> music and math. Music and math, yeah. Um, but yeah, the that math aspect because I'd had such a rough go in high school was kind of scary when it came up so 
I dropped the veterinary stuff and went towards teaching and that's where I've been. Very nice. So are you, I don't know if you've said this on, I think you've said this on previous podcasts for people who didn't listen to that. Are you a cradle Catholic or are you a convert? Right. So, um, technically cradle Catholic, but I wasn't baptized until my seventh birthday. Um, my parents were both raised Catholic and, um, my dad went to a Catholic boarding school for a little bit when he was a child. And, um, my mom's, uh, uncle was a priest. I mean, so very, you know, in the Catholic life. Um, but they also kind of went away for a little bit after mm-hmm. my mom's uncle passed away. And cause I think he was a big influence on keeping them at church and things like that. And, but then my, um, Mom kind of had a moment. My little brother kind of got sick, and um, there was a possibility that we were going to lose him. And after that, she wanted to make sure we were baptized. Mm-hmm. And um, the priest at the time asked for us, for, asked her to go to church for a full year before he baptized us. And so she did, and we were both baptized on my seventh birthday. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't baptized as a baby, as an infant, like most people are, but. Um, I've been raised in the faith since the beginning. I mean, not been a, yeah. The start might not have been very consistent, but it's been pretty consistent since then. So, mm-hmm. when in your life can you point to when you really begin to take your faith very seriously to where it became the thing that was the most important? Um, I think there are several moments that kind of anchored me, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Not, but one of my times when I was away at camp, because um, when I first, they've changed the rules since then, but when I first started going there, we couldn't leave campus because, you know, we're in charge of the kids and stuff, except for our days off. And our days off were not on Sundays. So for the first couple of years, I wasn't allowed to leave to go to Mass on Sundays. And that was the first time I felt that sense of loss because I couldn't receive the Eucharist. And I mean, they had a, a Christian service and it was beautiful when we sang and we prayed together and did scripture together. But Jesus wasn't mm-hmm. like, you know, the presence wasn't there. I, you know, you could feel Jesus's love there, mm-hmm. but his body was not there. And that was the first time I think that really solidified that I could not ever be anything but Catholic. Mm. Since then, I've still had moments of doubt and how can I do this and how can I, you know, you know, continue on or, you know, this is too much. But I always think of that moment and I just know that I can't be anything else. Mm. And so I guess that would be the, the moment that kind of solidified that. Catholicism is where I'm supposed to be, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful mm-hmm. that God, like, used that one moment that he knew that, like, you needed that. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, he knew that you needed that that something, that anchor right there, so that in the future he knew you were going to look back and, like, have doubts, and you could look back and say, nope, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I think of, I think it was St. Peter when everybody turned away from Jesus. I think after he broke the news of the Eucharist and they were like, what? And he lost all those followers. Mm-hmm. And 
Then he looks at his disciples and he's like, are you going to leave too? And they were like, where are we going to go? <laughs> right? <laughs> you are the one that has the words of life. We're in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then what is your favorite thing about being Catholic? The Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's, I, I mean, from a young age, I've always had devotion to Mary. So, like, um, I think the fact that we have a mother, that when we feel lost, we, I mean, my mom's fantastic, but I, the fact that we have this heavenly mother that is there to protect us and things, and but she leads us to the Eucharist, and um, and she let really, she led me to the Eucharist, and I was, just his real presence there is just it's probably my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Can't be found anywhere else, and I know there's other places that would diff- argue that. Mm-hmm. There's other churches that would argue that, but. I know that. Do you still feel emotional about the Eucharist when you receive, or is it sometimes, or is it like every time that you're still having that strong reaction? Yeah, yeah. That's I, beautiful. I, you know, there, there might be some days that I get distracted because I'm usually carrying a toddler right. back up there. But yeah, no, I, when I go up there, there's not like Father holds up the host, and there's no. That's all I see. Mm-hmm. I only see the host. Mm-hmm. Well, that's love right there. That tunnel yeah, vision that you talked about. That's that love. That's nice. <laughs> for so, because I think, I do think that, like, you know, for a lot of cradle Catholics and even just converts who are just, at some point, there's a point where it just becomes rote sometimes. Mm-hmm. But to hear you say that that's all I see 40 years in, it's pretty beautiful. And I will say that. That became even more evident when I started receiving on the tongue because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I learned, you know, with the hand. Like, I, that's not how I grew up. You know, my first communion was the host was placed in my hand. And I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong way to take the host. But at one point, I watched a video. Um, the, the gentleman in the video talked about how Jesus is still on your hand. There's a microscope. I was like, no, no. What do I do with my hand afterwards? Mm-hmm. But um, so I started receiving on the tongue. And I think that that's when that deep focus on the Eucharist happens because he holds it up in front of my face and says it. Because before I'm always like waiting. You know, I think I was just looking at my hands and waiting for him to place the host in my hands. And mm-hmm. then I could see. But when he's going to place it on my tongue, like it's right there in front of my face, right. mm-hmm. and I think it, it, there's an added reverence, mm-hmm. yeah. and the givenness of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, this is given. Mm-hmm. Even yes, it's being put into your hand. That's one way to receive, and it's perfectly licit. But there's something about having it placed to you from the hand of God, the, mm-hmm. the body of God mm-hmm. from the hand of God. There's something very beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Don't write us angry letters about how you receive the Eucharist. We just said it's licit. <laughs> it's fine. We've all done it, especially with COVID. We've had to receive in the hand mm-hmm. since then. A lot of priests won't do it. We're not trying to start any fights. <laughs> it was really funny, though, the first time my sons had to receive on the hand because they, <laughs> like, they were oh, really what? confused. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, 
Uh, wait, what? Because I forgot to tell them. I was like, oh, you're probably going to have to receive on the hand here because it's not a regular priest. And all the, yeah, and the COVID, you just never yeah, know. Yeah, that and was so comfy. You know, that was really hard because we had all these sweet daddy priests trying to take care of their flock, worried sick for them, trying to figure out what they were supposed to do. Nobody knew what was going on. And, and there were a lot of parishes that were just like, y'all, we just can't. You've just mm-hmm. got to let me put it in your hand. And so I think, yeah, I you say, you're like, ah, my God. A lot of people had that crisis. They've been mm-hmm. receiving their whole life yeah. that way. Yeah. And now they, and they're just, oh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. God bless our priests yes. and their discernment wow. during that time and going forward because, gosh, I would want to be in that position. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Make those calls. For sure. <laughs> Sorry, that was a total vignette well, off of your... Well, <laughs> and then there is, it reminded me of a kind of a somewhat very embarrassing moment recently where I went to another parish... To, and I went up to communion and I saw other people receiving on the tongue so I knew it was okay but I have a tongue tie so my tongue doesn't come out very far my priest is used to it because you know he's been doing it for years putting it on my tongue but this other priest was like stick your tongue out more <laughs> I was like I can't just put it in my hand he's like no I want to do this just stick your tongue out more I was like I can't <laughs> I was like I physically can't and so there's other people behind me and they can you lie and he's like stick your tongue out more I'm like I physically can't <laughs> so, so did you did he end up putting it on your tongue yeah he oh. did but you could tell that he was like no I want to do this for you but he was like all like Aww. trying to <laughs> I was like I appreciated it, but it was also like, oh my gosh, there's people behind me. <laughs> We're like, what's this lady doing? <laughs> I was about to ask you what your most embarrassing Catholic moment, and, and, and that was the, yeah. Is that it? Well, Is there more? I'm sure there's more, but that's the most recent. <laughs> like, this is just like a month ago. <laughs> I was at Mass with Noel, actually. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh we miss yeah. you, Noel. Yeah. Listening. All right, so you have a very diverse background in terms of, like, the, you know, paying, <clears throat> pardon me, paying jobs that you've had. But, like, what about the roles that you've had in the parishes? Um, in the parishes. I helped... Uh, starting in high school, I helped out with second grade RE, and then I was also on the youth advisory board. I don't even know if YAB is still a thing, but I was on it the. It should be. <laughs> so um, I was on the youth advisory board, and I also led helped lead a choir, um, a youth choir that um, led liturgy, the music liturgy, the first Saturday of the month at my parish um, for a while. And so that was all in high school. And I went out to college and I kind of didn't get involved at my new parish for a while until and a fellow music major, this is why I was still a music major, was the collegiate director of the choir at the student center there at college. And he invited me to come sing with his choir. Um, and I sang with them, and when he graduated, another member of the choir and I co-directed for about a year, year and a half, until she um, had to do some other things, and I took over um, solely by myself, uh, leading. So I was the collegiate choir director of the college choir for a while, and I was also on parish council um, as part 
when I was there. They had like a college, uh, I don't know what they call it now, I, but like the, it wasn't youth, you know, it wasn't like the youth advisory board, but there was like college students that kind of were a, a advisory council also. I was on that for a while. Um, I helped organize uh, OU and OSU used to do state state, coll- uh, state collegiate Catholic conferences. And I helped organize one of those one year. Since I graduated, I really haven't gotten that involved because uh, then I was a mom and I didn't feel like I could sing in the choir because I had small children and I didn't want to leave my husband in the pew with them. I also am seeing that I have been a choir director. I'm a little particular about how some things should go. (laughs) I'm not very quiet about them. Um, So that was a little difficult. Um, I went from being very involved to not much involvement. But um, I did help with kindergarten RE for a year. Um, And then I just recently um, was put on parish council at my parish. So... Um, by the time this airs, I would have gone to three meetings. So, so just recently started. So, so yeah, mostly music and advisory positions, I guess. But you are a busy woman. <laughs> I'm like going through my mind the list of things you did while you were in college, and I'm thinking to myself, when did you eat? <laughs> I mean, you have listed like ten serious. Time commitment positions in this interview. Well, I also was the legislative rep for the teachers' union and the student. <laughs> so I was at the state capitol and and stuff during that time too. So I think but, the secret lies though in like how much sleep did you get? It was like four hours well, a night. <laughs> I still think about that much. Yeah, right. that's right here for the um, sister. You're the update club <laughs> yeah, in this yeah. podcast. It's always update. But it's funny that you mentioned the eating because one of my good friends. Um, in college we were workout buddies and he was always concerned about my eating habits so after we would go work out he'd make sure that like he's like no you have to come back so I can feed you <laughs> he was like that way I know you got at least one good meal today <laughs> I'm just like okay <laughs> and so if you if we were to get in a car with you what would be playing on the radio uh, what, what are on your presets what do you listen to when you're in the car? Well, um, nowadays it's mostly audiobooks because I'm with my kids. But before, um, well, hold on, hold on. Like, what kind of audiobooks? Oh, like we do language in the wardrobe, kid books. Uh, yeah, kid books because they're the kid. My children are extremely fantastic in the car when there is a audiobook on. When there is <laughs> not always an, audiobook. an audiobook on, they are not really <laughs> fantastic in the car. They are your typical, like, stereotypical, like, Mom, so-and-so hit me, or so-and-so did this or that. And so audiobooks, <laughs> listeners, will fix everything. Driving with your kids in the car, so run, run out to your local library. <laughs> At least for I'm my kids. I'm about to do this. <laughs> <laughs> At least for my kids. <laughs> well, and like right now, because um, we're in a different car, we can't, the CD player, it's an older car, so the CD player will eat the CDs, so I can't put the audiobooks in there. So we haven't been listening to many right recently, and my kids are like, 
dying. <laughs> like, Mom, when can we listen to an audio book? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Your kids are great readers, too. Oh, gosh. Just lovely. Mm-hmm. They love it. Yeah, they like books. Instead of stuffed animals, they slept with books. Aww. Lauren's falling more in love right now. I love more with your children every day. No, but like if you're asking what type of music I like, Cranberries, The Coors, um, No Doubt, Irish punk music, Flogging Molly. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Shot kick Murphy's. I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, drop kick Murphy's. But I also like classical music. You might hear um, Vivaldi is my favorite classical mm-hmm. composer. Um, but, well, and so going kind of back to the music background, yeah, you know, so I briefly mentioned I went to performing arts high school, but I, t- I played. I was a vocalist, but I also played piano, violin, and cello. So I was an orchestra kid. So, did did Joe hear that? (laughs) (laughs) He said it again slower. You sing, you play piano, violin, and cello. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. I'm jealous. (laughs) I feel like like the laziest person ever. I do, too. Like, you have (laughs) every drop of talent or interest Mm -hmm. that is inside of you. I'm a jack-of-all-trades, but a master of none. (laughs) Like, that that, that phrase totally explains me. Like, I wouldn't say I'm phenomenal in any of those areas. I just learn things that I've enjoyed at some point in my life. That's okay. Yeah. So, I have a, a question. So, there was one time in my life where I w- I've, I've decided to listen to classical music. Like, and it, I don't know if this counts. I don't know. I don't know anything about classical music, I suppose. But it was just like orchestra. And I decided to listen to it in my car. And on the way home, I literally was falling asleep at the wheel and almost <laughs> ran off the road. So is that the kind of music you're talking about? And how do you stay awake? <laughs> That's my question. Well, it depends. Because classical music, just like any other genre or any other type of music, has a wide range of um, expression and dynamics. And, you know, because Haydn's surprise symphony is a lot different than, like, a nocturne, which is, you know, or or even Brahms lullaby. So Anything Brahms. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Make you fall asleep. So, you know... um, you, you find the composer that is more upbeat, you know, for, yeah. you know, and because, you, know, you know, John Williams, I te- you know, the, he did a lot of music, uh, the uh, scores for movies, mm-hmm. you know, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, you know. Um, I love John Williams. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, I remember as a kid, I had a, p- a keyboard that, you know, would autoplay the Star Wars theme. <laughs> and I would just play it and pretend I was conducting the whole orchestra. <laughs> and <laughs> but, yeah. So, and I also liked a lot of, uh, my dad, I grew up a lot with uh, Buddy Holly and Nancy Sinatra. and oh, okay. um, And uh, Kenny Rogers. Diverse, yeah. as in everything else. I know, I know. <laughs> Very nice. 
I don't think I totally answered your question, but it's just finding the yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't crashed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some music will put you to sleep better. Actually, or just maybe even meant to put you to sleep mm-hmm. than other music. So like, you know, Beethoven's Fifth Symphonies. Yeah. Some I listen to you and especially talking about like the music and the arts and it like it gets me like excited a bit like to, like hearing about it like it just does and so it makes me like interested in I don't know nothing about classical composers except for like the big ones like Beethoven or whatever and even then I can't name anything so you make me want to look into this stuff more. So I'm, I have to ask this because I'm just general person that I am, but well, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading? What are you, what books have influenced you in the last few years? Um, the two that have probably been the biggest influence in the past couple of years have been, um, oh, my badass book of Catholic saints. I'm trying to remember what, who the author is, I want to say it's Maria Johnson. Um, that It's actually the book I was reading when I was inspired to ask you guys to do this podcast. And then um, the other one would be Jen Fulweiler's Blue Flame. I read it at the beginning, about this time last year, and um, I just felt like she was in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I know not She's not everybody's cup of tea, but it just seemed everything she was talking about, about passion and um, doing you know, kind of like what you mentioned during your interview about God doesn't waste passion is kind of the same idea that you have that passion for a reason and you need to develop it and, and work through it. So actually, uh, Annie, our other co-host, uh, let me borrow another one of her books I just started reading during adoration the other day and I almost laughed out during adoration. So I also like her humor. (laughs) 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 But um, they're not necessarily really um, what I would consider in-depth books, like digging deep into spirituality or life or anything like that. But um, sometimes I think the ones that influence me the most are also the simple mm-hmm. I would say yeah. definitely yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so are either of those like one of your favorite like your favorite book or uh, you have a different oh a favorite book or like one that you mm. stands out in your mind as you read it and you saw things differently afterwards or at any point in your life not maybe not mm. no um reading's always been kind of difficult for me in general so one of the things that has always um I guess anchored my me intellectually um and I guess it also because of its tie to arts is poetry mm. so um I don't necessarily have a favorite well, I do um Robert Frost is probably one of my favorite poets um I also like Walt Whitman um but you know they when I feel like I just can't, like, I'm, I want to be a reader, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But sometimes I have difficulty with it. Um, I'm a slow reader. So when I'm not getting done with the book quickly, sometimes it gets put on the wayside. Um, but I feel like the, those 
reading poetry can still feed that that desire in me while also feeding me intellectually and also connects to my artist side, if that makes any sense. Oh my gosh, I didn't know this about you because I'm super excited right now. I <laughs> love poetry. I love that you love poetry too. And I can't believe I didn't know that. Like, oh my goodness, we have a whole other chapter of our friendship. <laughs> I feel the same way about poetry. I feel like sometimes when your brain is just in a fog, but you need to go to that deeper space inside of you. Poetry is that link between deep and beautiful literature, which you just can't get at, yeah. <laughs> and your interior life. I feel like it's a beautiful bridge. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I love how you said that. It's really cool. So just off the record, have you read any poets lately? Anything new? Are you looking for recommendations? Um, Inspiration? Are you looking to be... Well, I've read a lot of Wordsworth because I've been teaching it at our oh, co-op. I very much love Wordsworth. That's Meredith's <laughs> and, favorite. And, um, oh, who's our poet? No, I think we are drop, we're dropping poetry for Shakespeare this semester. Poetry and geography were last semester, and we're doing Shakespeare this semester, which I like Shakespeare because... He's like he's like the best of both worlds if, to me, if that makes any sense. Because the poet, you know, poetry, poetry, theater. poetry <laughs> theater, and literature, like mm-hmm. like the, there's the storytelling, and then there, but it's also the yeah, yeah. that's why he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> but so we're about to do Midsummer Night's Dream at our co-op. But um, I want to say maybe it was you. And it was for at maybe it was Advent last year or maybe it was Lent. But you had a book. That was like short little poems. Malcolm Geet. Yes, but I, I didn't get to finish it. But I was that was probably the last one for myself that I started reading. But, mm. Yeah. The rest has been for school. <laughs> I love him. I just for I have a couple other poetry buddies that I talked to. I just for Christmas got his a copy of my own. I've borrowed it a hundred times of the Singing Bowl, which is his stuff. <laughs> Uh, he's he's great. I feel like a late bloomer to. I haven't read a lot of Tolkien, you know, but I've I've I know I feel like I know like it's like one of those weird like stalkers like I'm gonna creep around you and see what <laughs> I can find out about you before like diving into actually reading your stuff. But like I've seen all the movies, but the movies aren't as good as the book, and you know so. And then so you said C.S. Tolkien, yeah, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Like everybody's always talking about C.S. Lewis, and I'm just now starting to get into some of it. Besides Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, I'm starting to get into some of those other things or the Narnia series, I guess. Which my kids have all listened to on audio, <laughs> <laughs> and they love it. That's one. My oldest has listened to an audiobook and read the whole series like three times. So, are there any books of saints that really? popped out to you like saints that kind of became something important in your life um i don't know about books about saints particularly but um my um baptismal saint is saint joan of arc and so she's always been really dear to my heart and i like i love learning stuff about her and then um i chose saint francis of assisi for my confirmation saint because i thought i was going to be a veterinarian and he was the patron saint of veterinarians and it's been really interesting even though that that career has gone to the wayside um how much he influenced a lot of my college 
life because like when I love how Lauren says her wondering years <laughs> so but like during a time where I was kind of not necessarily in the best place in my life his life made me remember that there was hope like there's still hope for me um and what's funny is I didn't know as much about his life until college too like how he lived his life before becoming St. Francis and Mm so um but since then um St. Teresa Lisieux is um huge Uh, Padre Pio has really got come in and out of my life a lot Edith Stein so she came in like just like like just open doors like hello I'm here and I have all these things that you need to know and um she's yeah which has been really interesting too because the camp that I taught at was um most of my the kids are Jewish and so I got really into Jewish tradition so then knowing that Edith Stein grew up you know she's Jewish and we converted Catholicism it's just interesting to see how the things that she writes about and how they tie back to those Jewish traditions that I would have never known anything about if I hadn't been at that, been at camp for six years. And hmm. so it's just been really interesting to see those like puzzle pieces in my life mm-hmm. and how they come together. And, you know, it's like you look at, you're doing a picture of like, a field and there's this puzzle piece of a tree and the puzzle piece of the grass and you don't see how like when they're apart from each other you don't know that they come together and make this beautiful picture and um, Maria Goretti really I don't think that she necessarily was supposed to be for me but my son and I did a pilgrimage when um, her relics were at my home parish in Oklahoma City and um she, I think she's been really impactful to our family, not necessarily me per se, but like just the whole forgiveness, her, her forgiving heart. Um, I see that a lot in my son. So I don't necessarily have a huge connection with her, but I can see that her, I can see her influence in our family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so not necessarily have a favorite saint or a favorite book about a saint, but there are definitely saints that work in my life that like to show up when I least expect them to. So can you describe like a moment in your life where where something like miraculous happened? Like something where you were just like, wow, this is God right in front of me. Um, the I have I talked about it on a previous podcast, but not today, but the um, moment that I kind of realized that God is speaking. You know, we all have those internal conversations with ourselves, and you know, we're not, you know, we're just talking to ourselves in our heads. Well, I realized that some of those moments aren't me, if that makes any sense. When I was at adoration um, after losing um, our angel, um, I had finally gone, it was Holy Week, and I had gone to confession and finally had said, I'm really angry about this. I feel silly about being angry because I know God's plan is great. But I thought that, you know, yeah, I, I could have had this baby and another baby already, and I don't understand what's going on, and I'm just really angry. And I finally went to confession for all of that, and then I went to ador- overnight adoration that's, that night. 
as as an adoration, just you know processing that that confession and um, everything the priest had said to me. I heard this voice say, "You know you're pregnant, right?" And I was like, "What? Uh uh-uh. uh, yeah, you know you're pregnant." And I just let that sit that night, and then the next evening, so it's Good Friday, so. At that point, it was Good Friday, like at 1 o'clock in the morning. And then, so Good Friday um, at 6 p.m. later that evening, I took a pregnancy test, and we found we were pregnant with our daughter. So that would probably be my miraculous moment. Wow. Mm-hmm. No yeah. inklings before that. Mm-mm. It's amazing. No. Well, I've heard this story before, but I love mm-hmm. hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So what's up next? In the renaissance life of Stacey. <laughs> what are your dreams? What are your plans for the next few years? It can be for your family, professional, ministry. Um, well, it's kind of funny because, you know, growing up, I either wanted to be a veterinarian or a teacher, and I've been a teacher. Uh, I got to live that wonderful dream. And um, my best friend who lives... Uh, state now when we were growing up um, we both wanted to have a house out in the country but not too far in the country we wanted to still be close to the city and you know, we were going to live next to each other and be old ladies on our porches next to each other and we're not old ladies yet and she doesn't live next door but <laughs> you know I, I have been blessed to it's been interesting looking back and going I got what I was wanting mm-hmm. I have um, beautiful property, um, some farm, small but farmland, and um, that is close to family and friends, and um, not too far to get to the grocery store, but far enough that I don't have to deal with a bunch of stuff. And um, I don't know what's next. I mean, I there's things that I I keep thinking I want to do. Um, but then, you know, like this, this podcast, for example, is never something that would have been, but, you know, saying that yes, and, um, has been very beneficial. And I've started to try to kind of get through this podcast. I've started to kind of look into doing, helping other comp- uh, ministries do the same thing through, um, editing and things through my yeah, so through my production company, uh, Wild Goose Productions, and um, helping other Catholic ministries um, get their name out there and to help as many people as they can. And we'll see what God's plan is because the things that I come up with are never as I, I've, I've been very blessed to get the things that I thought I wanted, but it's been very interesting to see that um, the things that He wants me to do are even better but I couldn't have done them without the experiences that I've had mm-hmm. so I mean you know I've talked a little bit about my theater background and music background also there's stuff that's where I learned how to do all of this that we're, we're doing right here and I wouldn't have been able to do that without all of that yeah. so but it sounds like you're really in a period of discernment mm-hmm. right now yeah. That could be a hard place to be in. It is, because there's a lot of different possibilities. Um, like when we first bought our property, 
we had dreams of a pecan orchard with a vineyard and um, that has sat for the past 11 years or so and it's starting to become a realization. But then in the midst of that, there's some other things that are coming up that might take us away from that. And I just, mm. so I don't know what's, you know, it seems like, well, yeah, let's do this because this is what we thought we were going to do. And then it's like, well, this might be somewhere else that you're going. And I'm like, oh, so yeah, right now it's kind of a holding period. So we'll, we'll see. I don't, yeah. I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I was gonna say, I'm excited for you. Like, I know <laughs> this kind of period can be a really hard place yeah. to be. It can be. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh, the opportunities and yeah. just, like, the lessons that you can learn and the grace that you're given during this time. Oh, my gosh, beautiful things are going to happen. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited for you. Same. <laughs> and she isn't telling you all this stuff. Like, you know, there's other stuff, too, on the horizon. <laughs> so that's why we're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Do you want to tell us about a favorite prayer of yours? Um, I guess my go, go-to prayers, my two go-to prayers are the Hail Mary, because I've always had a huge connection to Mary, as I've mentioned. Um, and uh, from the Divine Mercy Chaplet, I, not necessarily the full Divine Mercy Chaplet, because I anything that takes... <laughs> more than about two minutes <laughs> I always want to do but I, I never am very good at keeping up with it um, but the just Jesus I trust in you mm-hmm. like anytime just having that hard time of like what the heck is going on here um, I'll usually run away to my closet <laughs> or something and just say that over and over again I'm like I know that you're working this some somehow and I'm just, I'm trying to, and just remind myself to trust. So Jesus, I trust in you and hail Mary, because Mary is always the one who has held me close to Jesus. So. Thank you so much, Stacey, for letting us into your beautiful, diverse, interesting, <laughs> multifaceted soul and for inviting us to interview you and to learn more about you. Thank I you. learned some things I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys have all enjoyed learning a little bit more about the four of us. Um, if there is a question that was not asked during the series that you were hoping that we would answer, um, we'll gladly answer um, any of your questions. You can email us or message us on our Facebook page, our Instagram, and we will do our best to get back to you. And continue to pray for us as we pray for you. and. Um, thanks and as always thank you for joining us thanks thank you join us again in two weeks until then may God bless you and may Mary accompany you